0: We've defined ourselves as people who do really basic discovery, but we apply it to human disease and and particularly one specific health challenge, and that's asthma. And I think that gives us a niche that, that other groups don't have. We are at the forefront of that area. And if you can define your own area, then you are the leader in that area. And, and you should get the opportunities and the, the funding to, to be able to, to push that forward
1: Welcome to Strategy for Scientists. This is a podcast for scientists interested in learning about business strategy through stories. I'm Kevin Hartman with Strategy for Scientists at the University of California, San Francisco, UCSF. We just heard Dr. Mark Ansel describing the importance of finding his lab's niche. Mark is a professor of microbiology and immunology at UCSF. His lab is located in and supported by the Sandler Asthma Basic Research Center. Mark is also the director of the Biomedical Sciences Graduate Program at UCSF. Today we will discuss with Mark various business concepts as they relate to building a lab, including branding, marketing, and opportunity costs. For a business, defining a brand tells your customer what value to expect from your product, but it has inward importance as well. A brand conveys your mission and thereby dictates where you should dedicate your focus. So does the concept of branding apply in an academic setting?
0: Uh, that's super important for a lab, um, although we don't usually call it a brand. Um, we are definitely branding ourselves, that's that's what you do, try to find your niche. Um, when it comes to, to projects, that feeds back into what we are talking about, staying close to something that you're really good at and known for, especially early on. I think that um, you should be in a position to run with something that you're great at and you, you have to stay focused. One, one thing that's important to me to be successful and, and happy in what I'm doing and that impacts the success of the lab in a big way, is that you have to stay close to what got you here in the first place and and remember the, the core mission of what you're doing and um, and so I, I think that that's probably not unlike a small business too. In the end, if um, there isn't something that really defines what you do best and and what really drives your your lab. Um, and, and you don't stay true to that, I think it's hard to to remain successful.
1: All right. So defining your brand or your niche clearly has value in directing the focus of a lab. But what is the actual process of setting a brand?
0: I didn't just do this alone. When I first got enough of a team together, it's something that we did at one of our retreats. Is we We went through an exercise of trying to decide who we were, what is the lab about, who are the potential competitors or collaborators out there, who are the, the labs that we think of as doing the kinds of things that we do and what sets us apart. And it, if, you, if, if you go through that exercise, um, you realize what capabilities you have, and, and it also forces you to think about what people expect of you.
1: The process that Mark is describing of sitting down and determining the context of your organization and its competitors is an essential aspect of business strategy. The workshops and online lectures that accompany this podcast series will delve into some of the frameworks used to organize this process, such as SWOT analysis. SWOT analysis helps you understand your own strengths, weaknesses, as well as what opportunities and threats are facing your organization. This allows you to set strategies that best take advantage of those opportunities and avoid threats. In practice, one of the largest strategic decisions you have to make is how to allocate limited resources. For a business, resources may be divided across products or business units. For an academic lab, the decision is typically how to select projects. Let us hear how Mark makes that decision.
0: Yeah, that's been a learning process for me. Um, and it's, it's a really important consideration. Um, so how do I make that decision? First of all, um, whether you pivot or not really comes down to the nature of the opportunity. And I, I consider the, the value of the science and how exciting and important the, the work might be. And that's really just using your um, or, or my instincts and experience to, to know whether you're, you're really finding something that's really exciting and, and new and important and impactful, uh, or if it's a, just an interesting little sidelight that, that you know, you can't do everything, so you have to make decisions to leave some of those things behind. The second thing is to know whether other people are excited about it, because that's going to impact whether you can raise funds to, to work on those things, whether you can get your staff and personnel to get excited and invested in it. And so I, I try to consider those things when I make decisions. And then you have to decide, of course, whether you can actually do it. And and I've learned the hard way that you can't always go after everything that. that is exciting and impactful um, without help.
1: Mark's last point touches on the concept of valuation. He is discounting the value of a project, which he measures in terms of his own and others' excitement, by the uncertainty he will be able to realize success, presumably in terms of a publication. In a business valuation, an investor might consider, for example, two drugs at different stages in the development pipeline. The future value of each would be discounted based on their respective risks of making it to market. The math is a little too complicated to get into here, but you can check out the finance module of this series. So far we've heard how Mark identified projects that fit within his niche. Before we explore how he goes about marketing his product to a customer, we should be more explicit about who the customer is and what is the value that he delivers to them.
0: I think, I think the real customer is the public. The advancement of knowledge is the, the number one thing and, and the United States public invests a lot in that, and and there's widespread belief that it's an important human activity to go and understand how our world works. But they also want to see that it's going to change their lives, and particularly in my field, they'd like to know that what we're doing is going to have an impact on human health at some point. And so you, you have to make sure that you're able to articulate how your work is going to be important to individuals in the public.
1: Mark's lab, like many others, is structured in an analog of a business-to-business-to-consumer model. Mark receives his funding from public agencies, which in turn are funded by the public. So, with that in mind, he has to frame the way he presents his science.
0: Well, when it comes to outside organizations that can provide a lot of funding, the way you talk about things is is a little bit different. And that can be challenging for a scientist because um, you try to be very rigorous and very conservative in the way you describe things, but when you go out to talk about the promise of your work, you have to to talk to these organizations with the best case scenario in mind and you have to be fair and careful in explaining um, what the the pitfalls are but it's really important to be able to see into the future and envision where you could go and and communicate that well to people because if you don't um, and it seems like you're just doing Uh, small things that are incremental in nature, um, then you just won't get as many opportunities to go after your best ideas.
1: Mark already discussed how he balanced the lab's resources across different projects, but there are also opportunity costs that he must balance for himself as
0: an individual. The position of a professor is not just to be a lab head. First and foremost, a scientist, and that's what I love to do the most, and that's where I'd like to put all of my attention, but obviously, there are other things that I, I care about that are part of my job, and, and so that's one of the challenges of, of running a lab, is that you, you're not really full-time director of a lab. You have all of these other responsibilities that that are important and, and also require your attention. In a small organization like a lab, you have to have total buy-in from the people that work with you. And so it's it's my job not just to organize the work and decide what things should be done and and set people to task on it, but to inspire them, to be excited about it, to put their own thought into it. If I'm the only one coming up with ideas, we won't be nearly as successful as we could be. And so when it comes to the the people that work with me, um, I, I'm reaching not just to, to manage the projects and manage the work, but to get everybody to feel like they're really working in a team with a common goal, and they'll be able to see how they will all individually benefit from our collective success
1: this brings up the fact that there is simply too much for a single person to do ultimately you have to build your team so we asked mark for any advice in that process
0: in in terms of the the people I've just been very conservative I I don't bring anyone to the team that I don't think is absolutely fantastic and I don't care whether they're going to be a tech or a postdoc or uh, a student. I just want fantastic people on the team. I've lost out on some really fantastic scientists, but I just wasn't sure that they were right for my team. And, I, and I'm, I'm very aware that if I don't keep something in reserve so that if a great opportunity comes along to, to bring someone into the team, um, then I'm, I could miss out on the, the biggest opportunity that, that the lab may have. So really try to learn some things about how to evaluate talent bring in only people that you feel really positive about and who will uh, work in a small team well and 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 make your lab a productive and fun place to be. That's going to bring more talent into your lab, and that's how you're going to ultimately be productive.
1: The adage, hire slow, fire fast, is often repeated to entrepreneurs. It's not meant in the literal sense that you should drag your feet in onboarding new talent or be cavalier in dismissing people who you remove from your team. Rather, carefully consider each new addition and remedy mistakes quickly. For a small team, this is particularly important to allow for better use of the resources and maintaining a productive team dynamic. We thank Mark for his valuable insight into the strategic decisions he's made so far in establishing his lab. Thank you for listening to Strategy for Scientists. If you're interested in learning more, check out the online lectures co-produced by iBiology and the UCSF Office of Career and Professional Development. We would like to thank the Burroughs Welcome Fund and the NIH Institute of General Medical Sciences for grant funding. Thanks also to the PRX Podcast Garage for the studio space and helping us get started with this production. Tune in here for more stories about scientists using strategy.